welcome to Blue Collar BS, a podcast that busts the popular myth that we can't find good people, highlighting how the different generations of today, the boomers, Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z are redefining work so that the industrial revolution that started in the U.S. stays in the U.S. Brad Hurdum, my main man. Another glorious day here in the U.S. of A. How are we doing, my friend? <laughs> uh, sitting in cold and snow right now in this uh, early to mid-November time frame. So it's, uh, it came upon us quickly, very, very quickly, and uh, not excited about it. Not oh, excited dude, at my flamethrower is just on fire lately. Clearing my driveway off, it's perfect. Well, yeah, the sticks of Detroit just using <laughs> flamethrowers to burn, to create an ice rink. That's right. On your driveway, <laughs> on the dirt road in front of your house. That's perfect. right. It is perfect. No snow. It's great. It is great. So, Brad, who do we have on the show today? On the show today, uh, we have one of the most amazing networking guys I've had a chance to meet uh, recently. His name is Ben Zhang. Um, his background is uh, very diverse, uh, similar to this show. Uh, he started out in the restaurant world and, and bartending space when he was much younger uh, down in Florida and came up here. And now he is doing a small benefits group insurance for a very nice organization. He's helped out some of my clients and other people uh, find a way to get insurance for their employees, which creates uh, obviously a good um, retention tool and recruiting tool. So, Ben, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. I'm a huge fan, you guys. And that's a nice way of saying I've got a gypsy lifestyle. So, Brad, I appreciate that. Huge <laughs> fan. Huge <laughs> fan. Huge. Long-term one. First-time listener. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ben, before we dive into everything, we always ask everyone the same question. Usually. Which generation, which generation do you best fit in with? So I am of the no seatbelt wearing Gen X when we were growing up. That's right. Your mother's arm was a seatbelt? Exactly. <laughs> That's right. That's oh, those I, days. I, I, got, I, I had a scar. I did have a scar up on my forehead at one point in time. Now it just kind of rolled into my forehead um, from falling in the car when I was like three years old. When my dad, <laughs> right, just boom, right on top of the, um, you know, the uh, drive shaft tunnel. Who remembers the drive shaft tunnels in their cars? Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. The, the hump. Yeah, yeah th those the don't hump. exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, had a, I felt like Superman for the first probably four months of my fifth year on this planet for catching my brother before he rolled out of the car because the car door <laughs> opens. Do you remember those? Where the Suicide car doors? door just opened. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. <Got him. laughs> that is sure. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> right well that's yeah. when t-shirts were made out of real material back then too right <laughs> exactly. there's no tear away shirts no in those away. days no. no it was really good cotton <laughs> it was really good cotton yeah, so absolutely so we're a generational show here ben and you're in the insurance space um currently um what's how how does that play into you know multi generational workforce? How does that play into your role and and how you support um, clients? Well, it actually has a bigger impact than most people think. So on the small market side, the under fifty, everything is age banded. Fifty so people, people is that people or 50 ages? Fifty employees. Employees. So Fifty okay. employees. 
Yep. So if you're a manufacturing group and you're at 50 employees or below and you're doing health insurance, it's all age banded. So a 50 year old or a 60 year old is probably going to pay anywhere from 1100 and then your 29-year-old, probably somewhere around 441 a month. I mean, that's a huge swing. 441, roughly. Just roughly. Yeah. Just, I don't have any tables up in front of me that I'm cheating with or anything. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, so if you think about it, an employer's contribution is 50% of that. So an employer is paying anywhere from 200 to 500 a month for that employee. So the other things that make it really interesting is when you get into the like self-funded space or level funded space. Um, so to make it a long story, semi-short, like if you're fully insured, it's kind of like having um, comprehensive coverage on your car. Everything gets covered. Okay. If you're, if you are healthy, what you do is you try and take a little bit of a risk and you say, um, so back, let me back up 2008, Obamacare came, no pre-existing conditions could be turned down. And so the insurance companies didn't know what they were getting, right? And so right. if you say to me, Ben, I want you to mow my lawn. And I say, you know, Steve, how big is it? And when was the last time you were mowed? And you say, I'm not telling you. You're probably going to get my Lambeau field hasn't been mowed in 10 years price. <laughs> right? <laughs> Yep. Because I don't know what I'm getting into. And so that's kind of what fully insured is. That's what that price point is. They don't know what you're getting into, so they're taking their best guess. But if you answer those two questions and you say, you know, I got about an acre and a half. Jimmy from across the street, college kid used to mow it all the time. Now he's gone back to college and I'm stuck. Last time was mowed two weeks ago. I know exactly what I'm getting into and you're going to get a more honed in price. Okay. So that's what level funded is. A couple questions. They want to know about your medications, your age, your height, your weight to see how healthy you are. Well, if you're, you know, a Gen Zer and you're relatively healthy, your medical bill is going to be relatively small. Right. So your rates, if, depending on what the, your, the makeup of the group is, if you're more tipped on one side rather than the other, it's going to really throw your rates one way or another. That makes sense. From yep. a culture communication spot, as far as how benefits play into that, your younger generation tends yeah. to be a little more tech savvy. And so you the ability say. to be able, I know, right? The ability to be able to touch them and talk hey, to them. Hey, hey, no touching. Push them in different, yeah, I know. Push them, yes. Oh, that's right. So this was PG. Sorry, my fault. But yeah, the way it the touches you can get in. On a Gen Z are much different than say you know our our education where we have to like blow up the screen to make sure the font is the right you know I can only see two words yep email's too long I'm not reading it you want me to go where uh -huh. I'm not supposed to go to the emergency room I don't understand you know right so all those are are cost drivers for a business so it makes a big difference so as you're having conversations with all the different types of organizations. Um, and my, my assumption is you are seeing um, you're having conversations with boomers, Gen Xers, and even probably even some millennials at this point in time in those leadership roles or HR roles. 
how do they react to those differences or where where's where are they coming from from their bias standpoint to to the insurance world that you've seen you know truthfully i think insurance is one of those things where it's kind of like the don't ask don't tell i feel like a lot of consumers are not as educated as they probably should be it's not one of those things that's covered in school and a lot of times by the time you get to it it's say open enrollments now so in october here so fourth quarter fourth quarter is not one of those times where you suddenly want to tackle the big bad insurance right so usually, i think as people usually yeah i think as people get more in depth and they the talk of culture and that ability to hire and retain i think that becomes a bigger play than in understanding how the generations are gonna fit you know i there's a lot of uh consumers or ceos that are really frustrated because their population won't take any of the guidance that then starts to drive those healthcare costs down and it tends to be on the older generation and not the younger generation which tend to drive the cost up. So then we get that double whammy of not only we see the high pay, we also see the high um, total compensation package when we start working through that. Um, I know Steve and I have talked about trying to come up with this, and it's kind of a secret, so hopefully nobody steals our secret and puts it together. The the age, the, the, the wisdom versus experience, um, operational uh, experience versus wisdom experience pay structure. And um, that's a hard nut to crack. And it's not easy, particularly in the blue collar world, because, you know, it's a 120 year old tradition. Well, so. yeah. And I think that education's not doing us any favors either, as far as the push for college instead of some of the trade schools. So we're losing some of that as well. Right. So when you had mentioned culture several times, and I'm trying to tie that back with the obviously with insurance but what we're really talking about here is how do we drive and make some of business decisions around purposefully hiring younger generation is that what you're seeing in the insurance industry with clients i, I think the smart consumers are definitely going that way i think part of that is just being able to get people in touch with what's actually out there right? Mm -hmm. To be able to say, look, you've got this, you've got an older generation that you're, you're trying to build around because they have all the skills and knowledge, but you're not bringing anybody else up. And oh, by the way, you can incentivize yourself by doing it, by hiring that younger crowd, because they're the one that's, that are going to offset your healthcare costs. And so mentoring programs that suddenly were too much money, suddenly become available yep. because the money is there because you've now started to drive some of those savings within your health layer. So have you taken that strategy? Have you, have you approached any of your um, clients or industrial clients with that type of strategy to um, create a different employment market while also creating a, a a better total cost situation for them? Is that a strategy you've put on a table for people to get them to, to realize that, you know, Gen Z is not just a, Hey, we don't know what they don't know what they're doing. They're young kids. They don't have a work ethic, which is all 
bullshit anyhow. Um, they just it just is different. Are you using that as a strategy to in your conversations with the with the HR folks and the CEOs and those types of people? I think those that are open to it, absolutely. You know the um, the hard part is is because healthcare rises at eight percent year over year. I mean, mm -hmm. you're not even getting those kind of returns in the marketplace. So suddenly you're behind the hole. So I think it's those people that you're one, having the conversation that stops the bleeding, but two, you're like, look, you need to get your population healthier. And by that, I mean, you need to start hiring younger and younger, but you're right. You run into that kind of push pull of, oh, this young generation, they don't have a work ethic. They don't know what they're doing. And, you know, I, I was at the manufacturing, the education conference through Independent Business Association of Wisconsin. Yep. And having him talk about the new Gen Zers as kind of the new boomer mentality coming very up much. into the work. They are very much. So I think, I think those people that, I think millennials have kind of killed Gen Z in many ways as far as the PR goes. But... <laughs> Well, <laughs> I think those people that are getting smarting. Yeah. I think those people are getting smart about the new, the new generation coming up because I think they will actually start to make those innovations. And the other thing is, especially in the manufacturing space, we don't have the technology yet to replace these people in the workforce. You're going to need a heartbeat and why not make it a young one, especially from a health standpoint. Well, yeah, because we're not going to be able to afford, you know, when we look at the the manufacturing sector or blue collar space, okay, you can only automate so much. And right. the vast majority of organizations can't afford to automate. So they're, they're going to die. And then we're not going to be able to make the product and it's just going to keep the inflationary pressures going. Or we got to find a way to bring the people in to do the thing to keep everything in alignment. And yeah, automation is great, but it can't be the solution. Yeah. And I, I mean, how much of a, how many hours does a mentor program take in a month? You know, hmm. and how much does that cost? Hey, Steve, how much does a 9X program take per month? How much does it take per month? As long as you want it to take per month. The longer you take in a month, the more you get out of it. So typically we would do, well, if you're properly mentoring somebody, you're you're maybe an hour a day. Is that under seven hundred bucks a month mm. per person? Hour a day, five a week, 20, 20 hours a month, right? Twenty just a little one forty. Well, not quite. You figure if you're both people, depending on where they're at from a salary perspective, you're really right? close. You're at, uh, well, no, I mean, if you're, depends on what you're at. If you're using $20 an hour, you're at 40 bucks, 40 times 20 puts you at 800. If you're over that, yeah. then you're going to, yeah. Yeah. You're close. Okay. You're close to way over, depending on the organizations. That's right. <laughs> you're close. The low end of the Wrong, total you... is going to be close. Yeah. But you're roughly. Well, what other benefits can you pull? I mean, that's just from a health standpoint. If you can save 700 bucks a month on a health standpoint, where mm -hmm. does that money go from programming? You know, I, I, 
given the restaurant background and the work ethic that takes and the heartbeat. Glad you brought that, that up. Kind of move. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a real thing. And yep. I watch small, I get small businesses. I'm talking to small businesses all day, every day. Like there's just not, and coming from one who owned one and complaining about the younger generation, oh, they don't work as much and things like that. And I, I think we're very wrong in that standpoint. And I think part of what colors it, and I think, um, Gary Vanderchuk said it. He's like, I don't know why you think, why owners think people are going to work as hard on your business as you do. They own none of it. Why? Why? What is the incentive us? You know? And so what, so I struggle sometimes with the fact of the short sightedness that we see sometimes in Mm -hmm. that industry and knowing that when I ran my own restaurant, I probably couldn't see the forest for the trees in, in some aspects. So yeah, I think of that. It's very difficult. So what advice would you give to the younger generation, knowing that those of us that are Gen X's, those of us that are boomers, we are, those in Gen X, we're kind of stuck in our, we're getting stuck in our ways. Boomers are firmly planted in their way. What are, what's advice you can give to the young group coming in, the Gen Z's, to help them break down those barriers? I think ask better questions. I can't tell you how many times I run into, as I've had my gypsy life cycle, so to speak, <laughs> the amount of times I have been on a ride along, on a new hire training, or been the mentor for that new person, and they don't ask questions that are pertinent to themselves. Like, if I'm trying to, if like, I've done a lot of sales, so from a sales standpoint, you know, what's the fastest way to get from point A to point B? Or, hey, how does that how does that program actually work? How am I compensated? Things, things that actually make a difference. Because I think the more invested they are in that, in those kinds of details, the more um, and the better employee they're gonna be for, for an organization. I also think that from a management standpoint, when you're hiring, if you have somebody who's engaged in that at that level, mm-hmm. that's a different conversation that then you're already assuming the close, so to speak. Yeah, I want this guy working for me, you know. And I would say get an HSA plan. <laughs> yep. If you're not going to the doctor, get an HSA plan. That's right. The wheels on the bus start falling off. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. So, uh, all right. I want to go back to part of your gypsy life here, right? Yeah. So 17 years ago or so, you were in Key West, Florida, working at a very popular uh, Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville Cafe, upon which all the... First one. Which all of the, you know, Jimmy fans and all the... The uh, early boomers, late boomers, probably that, right? They're 17 years ago. So the, the 50 and 60-year-old folks back then, which are now 70-ish, 75-ish, what, what, what was the behavior like for them at that point in time compared to what you saw the behavior as you grew older and got more mature and had your own business in that space? What, 
were the behaviors the same or were there different behaviors in those environments that you saw between? I think Key West is a very different place. <laughs> so I think, yeah. okay. it, <laughs> how do I say this nicely? So I always tell people Key West was where people go to do the things that they wouldn't even consider doing at home. Specifically. Okay. So it's hard to judge okay. behavior from that standpoint. <laughs> I've never been asked what I'm asking. <laughs> what I can say is um, two things. I think that place really skewed my uh, filter for a long time. But I also think it was one of the best educations. Because when you allow people to kind of just be themselves, you get to see how people work and tick. And the other thing is, is that I would say is, um, I can't remember the year, but Wilma came through while I was working there. 2005 was Hurricane Wilma, because I was in Orlando at Disney, and that was our Disney cruise year that year. And we were in the uh, Wilderness Hotel uh, when the hurricane landed in Orlando. Yeah. Hmm. And so uh, Key West was also hit. I had about... 24 inches of water inside my house. So there was literally a water. salt ring, like salt water, like ocean in my house. So there was a salt ring in the back of my couch. What I can say is that there's like a um, uh, Buffett uh, festival down there where all the parrot heads come down. And um, they were some of the most, and they weren't known for tipping well in previous years before then. They were okay, but that year, they literally made it a point. I heard multiple presidents of clubs, so to speak, announce it to their people. Look, these guys have had it rough and tip, over tip whenever you can. And so um, I think when you see that kind of generosity of spirit, and, and I think that touches you in a way. And I think as I've gotten older and you start to realize, the, you know, the 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 trees you plant now, you may not get the shade from, but it's so important for the next generations. And so I think that has a really good metaphor for our workforce as well, you know. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. I don't know if that's the long-winded answer to your Oh, good. No, it's all question, good. But, yeah. Well, it wasn't, as fun, it wasn't quite as fun, although when you said that's where people go to do the thing they wouldn't do normally, I'm like, okay, that, that opens up the imagination. You can have a whole... <laughs> nope, I, <laughs> nope, you were very nice. <laughs> you were very nice not to go out and do that, so. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got, Steve? <laughs> no, I'm just trying to reel my head in back from where it was going because we can go downhill really quick. So I'm just trying to reel it back. That's all. Just dial it back just enough. All right. Um, but no, I, I like the the analogy you gave of um, you know planting the planting the seed and the palm tree growing and then casting that shadow for you know the future generations, the shade for the future generations. And you know, so there there's obviously some things that we can do as those with experience in the industry. Um, so what would you share with others, like? Obviously, there's certain things that we can do. What would you share with others that we can do? Some additional stuff. I think mentor and cultures is huge, right? I think people want to play. And it's interesting, though. Great resignation. Everybody says, oh, people were really tired of, of, of it. And they got to be home. And that changed perspectives. And, yeah, it did. But really what it was is a big compression of 
the daily movement we see in our lives. And then mm-hmm. kind of the, the, the guy that did it was from the London university he coined the phrase. And what he said is, is anytime like during COVID nobody moved because nobody could move. So all of a sudden you had that compression of a lack of movement that suddenly exploded out. Right. But I think part of the, the, trouble is, is if when you give somebody a place to belong and a purpose to be there, both the ability to give somebody the knowledge you've possessed over the years and got and garnered, and those that feel like they're actually growing and learning, I think that creates a more, a uh, stronger retention within your culture. And, uh, you know, the the waste of money in training and rehiring and all of the stuff that comes around that right could then go right back into business so if somebody wanted to get a hold of you ben to learn more about opportunities and how they could change their their benefits packages to support their uh hiring practices etc how would somebody find you where they get a hold of you where are you linkedin is a good one they can um my cell phone is in my email signature. They can send me an email at ben at thbwi.com. Um, and I'm happy to talk. I do a lot of counseling for people who have gotten caught because 80% of employees say, look, uh, health benefits are not a benefit. They're an essential. So a lot of business owners now are struggling with the fact that suddenly they have to put a benefit program in. So that's right. what I end up talking about most often. Okay. And if I recall, you have two, uh, two, you have twins, correct? I do. I have an eight-year-old daughter and a boy-girl twin that are four-year-olds. Okay. So you're going to like these. So we did this uh, episode a while ago, the dad jokes, and... Um, I'm going to go with these. So here you go. Maybe you can get these. Maybe you can get these. They're difficult. Maybe not. Why shouldn't you tell secrets in a cornfield? Oh, I think I know this. Can I, can I try? Absolutely. Let's steal the punchline. Too many ears. Absolutely. That is correct. That is absolutely correct. Ben is one for one. Steve is zero. Oh yeah. That was out. I'm out. (laughs) You're out. Here's here's the second one because it comes on front and back on these cards that I got for Christmas last year. Um, what do scholars eat for a snack? Do scholars eat for? I don't know. I'll be one for two. Mr. Doyle, I'm out. You're out. Academia nuts. Oh my god. <laughs> I like that one. Oh, my God. So on that note, we will uh, wrap up this episode of Blue Collar BS. Ben, thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. I totally appreciate it. This is awesome. All right. Thank you for listening to Blue Collar BS, brought to you by Vision Forward Business Solutions and Professional Business Coaching, Inc. If you'd like to learn more on today's topic, just reach out to Steve Doyle or myself, Brad Herta. Please like, share, rate, and review this show as feedback is the only way we can get better. Let's keep blue-collar businesses strong for generations to come.